presented by Electronic Payments Coalition. Hey, good morning. I am Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. It is Monday, January 22nd. What's driving the day today is Ron DeSantis, Florida governor and 2024 presidential candidate, has dropped his presidential bid. And joining me now to discuss Ron DeSantis dropping out is our very own Florida man, Gary Finout. Gary, how are you? Thank you very much for joining. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. My uh, my my Sunday got suddenly uh, very uh, very <laughs> changed than what I I was just going to watch football, you know, but <laughs> that didn't didn't happen. Yeah, the, some people had different plans for you. Um, I'm looking at the story that you and our colleagues Kimberly and Sally wrote, kind of about the DeSantis dropping out. And the first line, "It was never supposed to be this way," really kind of encapsulates how I think a lot of people view his campaign. Talk to me about kind of the TikTok of the decision. It kind of felt inevitable, I think, to a lot of people that this was going to happen. But why the Sunday night ruining everyone's football plans um, before voting even started in New Hampshire? From what I understand, this is something that they were contemplating. It was kind of interesting with Iowa, the way it kind of played out. There were people who before Iowa were, were sort of like, well, if, you know, he doesn't do well in Iowa, if he doesn't win Iowa, what state will he win? Yeah. And then initially, right after Iowa, it was, nope, going forward, got enough money to get to th- get through South Carolina. So they kind of kept doing things the last week. And, and then, you know, the conversations just sort of coalesced over the last two or three days and, and you know, culminated with the decision to uh, suspend the campaign. Yeah, the money situation was probably, you know, they're probably getting to a point where they were going to run out of money in the near future. And then, again, the question was, what state was going to be out there that you could win? in terms of defeating Trump. I mean, cause last week the strategy was, you know, Nikki will drop out if <laughs> yeah. she does poorly in New Hampshire and she does poorly in South Carolina. It was kind of an interesting strategy. Like, well, if she doesn't win, then maybe it clears the two person race for Trump and DeSantis. But as we saw, I guess they made the decision to say, no, it, it's just, just go ahead and pull the plug now. Yeah. I mean, there will be books, literally will be books written about what went wrong with this campaign. We will all look back as this, as a moment of the 2024 presidential campaign that really like meant something. And so the question on everyone's mind is like, what went wrong? We could talk about that for a year about what went wrong with that campaign. But for me, the biggest things, and you tell me if I'm wrong, it felt like the indictments from Donald Trump, because when you look at the polling from March of last year, when he first got indicted, the numbers started switching. You started seeing less support for DeSantis, more more support for Trump. And also they're, them like fighting with their super PAC the, the entire time. And then the last one is really like the donors running to Nikki Haley as things were looking bad for Ron DeSantis. I think clearly there were – yes, there are a lot of things that can be dissected <laughs> in terms of what, what went wrong here. But I think ultimately you're correct. I think the issue is is that uh, it's the dynamic of the Trump-Biden race that I think is sort of you know the, the real story at least. And I think there are people in DeSantis' world who sort of share that opinion. And they'll, and they'll sort of tell you that there was a decision made to not jump in the race right away, right after he got reelected, instead to kind of wait to see what happened and, and have a legislative session where he passed a lot of stuff that he wanted to use in the campaign trail. And of course, Trump started going on the attack against him while that was happening. But I think more importantly is you're right. I think the indictment, the, the court cases and the indictments. And then let's couple that with 
Biden's own numbers coming down and questions being raised about Biden. Remember, he had that fall in June, yeah. and 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 there were and I, and I think, I think as I understand it, what they what they were seeing was there were people in the Republican side who were basically saying anyone can beat Biden. Yeah. Your electability argument doesn't hold as much resonance if we think that Biden is going to lose anyway. So therefore, we're gravitating to the the original, you know. The real Coke. We don't need. We don't need Diet Coke or Coke Zero. We want real Coke. Right, and we put that in, in our in our in our story because yeah. I had a quote. I had a quote from Chris Christie, who said that a little while ago, where he said yeah. new Coke versus old Coke, and he said, <laughs> "Why is anybody going to buy the new Coke when the old Coke is still available?" But so I think the point taken though is that the indictments really was a rally around Trump moment, coupled with we think Biden is going to lose because of his own situation that sort of yeah, that undercut DeSantis's argument that look only I can beat Biden that Trump right. will not beat Biden one of the things that I'm very curious about you know he he um, endorsed Donald Trump who has been beating him up for months called him desanctimonious he's been beating Trump up so you know that's politics sure but do you have any sense you you even if they are not saying it, you know this man. You've been covering him for a long time. Do you have any sense that he's going to like get on the road for for Donald Trump? Is he going to become this kind of Trump surrogate like Vivek and, and Tim Scott became? My initial inclination is no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I could be proven wrong. Basically, the reason I say that is because, and we've pointed this out time and time again, there are a lot of people in the Donald Trump organization in the camp who used to work for DeSantis yeah. and don't have the best of opinion of DeSantis. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean I'm sure that Trump likes it when people endorse him, as he obviously did when he put <laughs> out a statement quickly praising DeSantis. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just kind of wondering how things are going to play out here over the next few months. You know, what is yeah. going to be the the sort of the relationship? I mean, you have some people in, in DeSantis' world who – are basically, you know, yes, they'd like to move ahead and they'd like to sort of plan things for 28. But you equally have people in Trump's orbit who are like, no, we want to, we want this guy to be put down forever. We don't yeah, ever want yeah. him to have a political future. I don't know if Donald Trump's going to share that, that attitude, but there clearly is animus towards DeSantis among people in the Trump circle. That's one of the many storylines we'll be following as this primary gets wrapped up. Gary, thank you. Thank you for coming on and get some rest because you got a lot more stories to write. (laughs) Thank you. And Playbook Daily Briefing is starting a brand new weekly segment today. That's a segment on Trump's trials with James Romasur. He is Politico's legal editor. He'll be giving you what you need to know each and every week in Trump's legal trials and tribulations. Thanks, Eugene. Let's get right into it. One reason we wanted to do this is that a big theme of 2024 is going to be the collision of Donald Trump's election campaign and his many legal travails. Trump, the defendant, has long built his legal strategy around bringing his campaign into the courtroom. Remember just last fall when he took the witness stand in his civil fraud trial? His testimony there devolved into rhetoric that seemed like it was lifted straight from his stump speech at times. And then just last week in the defamation case brought by Eugene Carroll, he was reprimanded by the judge for muttering yet another campaign refrain. This one was witch hunt, 
within earshot of the jury. But now the mashup is happening from the other direction, too. Trump, the candidate, is bringing the courtroom onto his campaign trail. Over the weekend, as he made his closing argument for the New Hampshire primary, he kept talking about a pivotal legal issue in yet another one of his legal cases. This one was his bid to have the courts grant him presidential immunity from his federal criminal charges for subverting the 2020 election. Having immunity is so important, and I hope the Supreme Court has the courage to do that. It's a really peculiar theme for a campaign speech, but the immunity issue is clearly at the front of Trump's mind because the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is poised to rule on that question. That ruling could determine whether Trump will have to stand trial on the election charges this spring or summer or whether the case will be thrown out entirely. And the D.C. Circuit could rule on this question at any moment. Betting odds are they'll do so this week. And meanwhile, the E. Jean Carroll case resumes today. Remember, Carroll is the magazine writer who says that Trump raped her in a department store dressing room in the 1990s. She's already won a $5 million verdict against him last year for sexual abuse and defamation. And now she's taken him to court again. This time, it's over a different defamation claim. Trump has indicated he may testify in his own defense today. It's not a sure thing he will, uh, in past cases, he's said he'll testify only to bow out at the last minute. But if he does take the witness stand here, expect some tension with the judge, who has already limited what Trump is allowed to say. For example, Trump is barred from telling the jury that he didn't assault Carol because last year's jury already found that he did. Trump is certain to push those boundaries as he seeks to harness this case, like all of his other cases, for his political advantage. And after that, it's on to New Hampshire. And amid all of the talk of delegates and polling averages, expect to hear even more about defamation law and the presidential immunity doctrine, because for Donald Trump, all law is politics and increasingly politics is law. That's all for now. I will talk to you next week. And for your schedule today, Vice President Kamala Harris is launching officially her Reproductive Freedoms Tour. She's going to be in Wisconsin today on what would have been the 51st anniversary of Roe v. Wade. I'm told by the vice president's team that this is going to be a five-stop multi-state tour. Two to three months is the timeline we're looking at. It's going to be states that have enshrined protections, restricted access, and states that continue to threaten access, causing chaos and confusion, one of her aides told me last night. We have a preview in Playbook on that tour, so you have to go read Playbook to hear the rest of that. The Senate is in today. The House is out. President Biden will be meeting with the White House's Task Force on Reproductive Healthcare Access today. Plus, and this is the most important thing, let's be serious, Politico is hosting the California Senate debate tonight. So that's going to be something that our colleagues in California are going to kick off for you guys. And other items for your entire week. Tomorrow's a little thing called the New Hampshire Presidential Primary. President Biden and Vice President Harris will be holding a campaign event in Manassas, Virginia. Thursday, we will get the final 2023 economic growth figures. And on Saturday, President Biden is going to head to South Carolina. Spend a lot of time there this time around. I'm Eugene Daniels. Thanks for listening. On Main Street, credit unions and community banks are the heart of our small towns. 
So when these institutions are united in opposition to the Durbin-Marshall credit card bill, Congress should listen. The Durbin-Marshall credit card bill favors corporate megastores, shifting costs and risk unfairly onto Main Street banks. Congress, protect credit unions and community banks, and oppose the Durbin-Marshall credit card bill. Learn more at electronicpaymentscoalition.org.